Greetings, fans, and welcome to the first of what we hope will be many editions of the CIAC cast. My name is Joel Cookson. I will be your host for this endeavor. I am the Director of Media and Sports Information for the CIAC, and welcome to this first edition of the CIAC cast. What are we doing here? Well, that's just one of the many questions we'll get to this week, and wanted to start it off by discussing what exactly we are doing with the CIAC cast here. Just really trying to give you fans of the CIAC and high school sports in the state of Connecticut another venue to follow your teams, to keep up with the action, and to get an idea of what's going on around the state. In that vein, we will be coming to you hopefully once a week. The goal will be a weekly podcast on Thursdays, usually posted in the afternoon. That's the hope anyway of what we will be able to do with this uh, endeavor here for the CIAC. And we really just want to give you a little bit of a perspective on what's happening around the state. What's going on? We're going to give you a little bit of an inside look at things within the CIAC. We're going to hopefully talk to experts across the state, writers and coaches and maybe some players as well as they pursue their high school dreams competing in the athletic arena. So that's just some of the things we hope to be accomplishing here. We hope it's going to be a fun and entertaining uh, weekly glimpse around the state and the state of athletics in Connecticut. With that said, let's dive right into what we're going to be talking about this week. We've got a few things to get to. Uh, First of all, the indoor track and field state open took place uh, earlier in the week. We're going to talk to the Hartford Current's Matthew Conyers about that. We're going to be reaching out to the tournament director for the CIAC girls basketball tournament, Dave Maloney. He's going to provide a little inside glimpse into how that tournament process works. And we hope to be reaching out to Jerry DeSemus Jr. of the Collinsville Press, one of the top uh, wrestling experts in the state as the Wrestling State Open will wrap up this weekend on Friday and Saturday. So a few of the things we've got in store for you, but we're going to start off with one of the weekly features we hope to have here, and that is simply called Things You Might Have Missed. And here we'll quickly take a look at some of the news and information that may have been posted on the CIACsports.com website site over the past few days, things that you may have missed, things that are coming up, interesting news and notes from around the state. So we start off, first of all, on Wednesday, the at noon, the girls' gymnastics pairings for the state tournament were posted online. That meets, those meets will take place this coming weekend on Saturday at Pomperog High School. The L, M, and S championships will all take place on Saturday at Pomperog beginning early in the morning, so we hope you'll check out that. The start time for the opening competition will begin at 9 a.m., so you get a full day of gymnastics at Pomperog on Saturday the 23rd, so a big day there. All of the information available on CIACsports.com. The last day to count for girls basketball was moved because of the storm, as is the brackets, which will be coming out for girls basketball. Both of those things were moved. Now the last day to count for girls basketball will be Friday, well, excuse me, Thursday, February 22nd, and then the pairings for the girls basketball tournament will be announced on Friday, February 22nd. And we've got, as I said, a little bit more bit more information about the tournaments itself coming up a little bit later here on the CIAC cast, so I hope you'll tune in for that. And then finally, the Wrestling Open we mentioned we'll be previewing a little bit later. The seeds are now all available on CIACsports.com. You want to look for the CIAC Tournament Central. It's a good place to bookmark for all of your 
tournament information. Once you go to CISCSports.com, there's a link on the right side for Tournament Central. Bookmark that page. That's got all the information that you're going to want starting. And we talk about the Wrestling Open will begin on Friday as well. So that should be some excellent uh, competition this weekend, all taking place at the Floyd Little Athletic Center in New Haven. Things are going to get underway and at 4.30 p.m. on Friday afternoon as the Wrestling Open kicks off this weekend. So that's just a little bit of a glimpse of things you might have missed this week on CAACsports.com. But now let's take a look at things that have happened already. And let's start off with the Indoor track and field championship season. It was a tumultuous season as a, on account of all of the weather difficulties that we ran into over the past few weeks. But things eventually were concluded on the CIC side. Championships crowned in four classifications. And then the Open Championships this past Tuesday. The Bloomfield Boys and the Darien Girls both claiming the CIAC Indoor Track and Field Open Championships. So we reach out to an expert to talk a little bit about those championship meetings on in New Haven this earlier this week. So I'm joined on the phone now by Matthew Conyers, a writer for the Hartford Current covering uh, high school sports, and in this case covering indoor track and field, which he's been doing all season long. And, and Matthew was at the indoor championships, the state open yesterday afternoon, so I wanted to get in touch with him and, and get his thoughts on the meet. So Matthew, first of all, thanks for joining us. We uh, appreciate your insight on the indoor track and field scene here as the the regular the championship season wrapped up yesterday. Well, appreciate you having me, Joel. You know, it's been a very kind of crazy end to the uh, state state championships for high school track and field. Uh, we still have New England's coming up in nationals, but uh, a lot of events packed in a short span for some of these athletes. Yeah, absolutely, and we will uh, we'll get to that as well. But first, I guess we just wanted to ask you, what were some of the uh, the performances that stood out to you yesterday? At you know, you asked me. Um, what was probably the some of the defining performances from yesterday. And, and I think you have to really start with Bloomfield. This is a program that's always been strong, always been considered to track uh, power and uh, among the top teams in the state. But they weren't really what you would define as a state open team. And when I, they, they didn't have some of the other layers that some of these other teams like Staples would have. They were known as a sprinting team. But now that they've kind of really become a jumps team, they've had uh, some, some really good high jumpers the last couple of years, and that was continued uh, yesterday on, mon- on Monday, on Tuesday, I'm sorry, uh, with the Mario Gray, who just uh, came a quarter of an inch from breaking the state open meet record and which would have uh, broken the school record. Uh, the open record and the Bluefield record is all but held by the same guy, Jamie Tobias, uh, from 2000. Uh, 11. He was actually our all-current uh, indoor track athlete that year. So that stood out for me. Bloomfield they had a lot of different points. The energy they brought. Um, a guy like David Campbell, he was hurt from uh, a good part of last month, and he came back, ran really well, finished second in the 55. Demario also won the long jump. Wasn't really going full tilt, uh, and he threw a, a big jump out there early on and didn't have to go after that. He, he jumped uh, about 23 and change and uh, nobody was even close. And then when you go outside of Bluefield, uh, one of probably the biggest surprises in me, and it kind of got a lot of people talking, was uh, Rams Chrissy Benzinski. She's uh, a junior. She had a good, strong sophomore, uh, junior season in cross country, coming off good sophomore year in track and field. But she was hurt. She was hurt this past winter. 
Um, she was coming off shin splints. Uh, she had high ankle sprain, and she also was sick, and she had fever. So she really hadn't pieced together a great season, but she came on strong, and she, she surprised a lot of people by winning the 1,000, running a PR. She was seated at three seconds slower than Brianna Lenahan of um, NSA, and she beat Brianna, Brianna in just a great race, great tactical race, came on strong, finished, uh, you know, finished really strong in the last 200 meters and caught the leaders with about 100 meters left to go and overtook the race. And then, obviously, you can't can't talk about track and field in Connecticut without talking about Sarah Gillespie of Northwest Catholic, uh, who's just had one of the most amazing careers. We'll probably see in a long, long time, you won't see a career like hers. And she capped it off on uh, Tuesday at the State Open by just going out there. She was scheduled to run in the 32 and the 16 and the 1,000, scratched from the 1,000, scratched from the 32, focused solely on the 1,600 meters, wanted to go after Megan Owen of Kaylin Lee's uh, 11-year-old record, and she just missed it by 1,400 seconds. Not one of, I mean, Sarah's run better races, more dynamic performances, but you got to really give it to Sarah because of what she did the last six days. She ran five different races in six days. That's an impressive feat, and now she'll go to New England the favorite, and Nationals will, she'll, you know, get some attention at Nationals, too. Yeah, absolutely. I saw your uh, and folks can check out uh, Matthew's story uh, about the uh, the state open on on current dot com. Can read uh, some of the things he's talking about. What were some of the uh, some of the events uh, that might have provided the most kind of compelling competition? Uh, maybe some of the ones besides what you've uh, what you've mentioned here. What were some of the the kind of standout races or events that really had folks uh, uh, perking up and noticing uh, at the open on on Tuesday? Well. You know, you, you look at, first of all, you want to look at, it's kind, of, it's kind of a twofold question, I guess. You look at what events have the greatest performance, and just from a just a fan standpoint, what were entertaining, which uh, showed a lot of athletes competing at a high level. Uh, Performance-wise, you got to start with Emily Savage at Weston. She, a week before, at the Class S Championship, she broke the state, open, uh, break, broke the Class S record, and then she broke the state record in the pole vault, uh, actually beating the boys. Uh, jump uh, boys' ball that day. Uh, wow. Really, really impressive stuff. So she came back. Um, you wanted to see where she carried that momentum. She carried it in. She didn't break another state. She didn't break her own state record this time, but she broke the open record, which is no small achievement. So she jumped, uh, I believe, 11 11. Uh, double check that real quick for you. Uh, yes, she jumped 11 11. That was the meat record, uh, a three year old meat record. And then uh, some of the other, you know, races you always got to pay attention to. What, what seems like the last three years is any race that Henry Wynn of Staples is in. Uh, he ran the mile. He ran the thousand. Just one of these runners that ha- has the form down pat. I mean, he, he's a beautiful runner to watch. Just he look. He doesn't even look like he's running on the track. He looks like he's gliding across it. And his races always seem to catch the attention of everybody watching. Um, so I, I, you know, the men's sixteen hundred was an interesting race. You knew Wynn had it no matter what. Um, but Matt Chisholm of Farmington, who wasn't even running track last year, who was a swimmer and a pretty good swimmer at that, uh, he finished second second behind Wynn, and it just shows how much he's come through cross-country. Then he decided to do indoor track this season, and he's really become a force in the event, and I, and I think a force in the sport, and I think he's going to have a great outdoor season if he continues to progress as he is. He's a junior, so this is a big season for him. Um then you look at the uh, you look at the 3200 meters. Uh, you know Christian Alvarado. He was going to duel 
uh, win in the 1600. They had a great race together in class double L me. Alvarado Scratch just decided to be healthy for the 32. He ran very strong in that race, and uh, he's another one of these guys you kind of want to pay attention to because he's got a lot of uh, – he brings a lot of excitement to the track. He broke a Don Gabral record uh, just at this class L, double L championship. So if you're beating an Olympian director, you're definitely <laughs> going to get some attention. And, and uh, you know, the uh, – uh, like I said, the high jump was interesting because of the uh, uh, Mario Gray was going for the record there. Um, and uh, 5,500 meters, uh, a race that we thought was going to uh, kind of ha- showcase O'Neill Drummond of Weathersfield. He had run 6.48 at the uh, Class L Championships, kind of put itself on the forefront. He actually didn't make the finals at the State Open. A little bit of a surprise. Actually, he was considered one of my top three guys in the event. He didn't make it. Harold Cooper from Hillhouse, uh, he won the, the race. He ran uh, 6.46, I believe. Um, and then David Campbell, a guy who came back for Bloomfield, actually came back for Bloomfield and ran really strong, got second place. And uh, D'Angelo Berry, a guy a lot of uh, high school football fans might recognize from Xavier, he ran 6.57. Uh, that was an improvement on his class time, but I know he wanted to go faster. But he had three guys that he was trying to figure out the whole season who was going to get up there, get up there, and it was finally kind of nice to end the debate, see who would walk away the title. And it was Cooper, the guy who went through the season as a favorite, walking away uh, with the title at the end. So uh, kind of nice bookends for him. Yeah, it sounds like a, a, a thrilling, and I can attest I was at the uh... – I was fortunate enough to, to see most of the Double uh, L championships on Saturday. And speaking just to, to reiterate your point about watching Henry Wynn run, I, I'm not sure I've seen someone who looks that effortless run that fast. It's pretty remarkable to uh, yeah, and I saw you know, competitors there that day who are like that. And it's just amazing to see how how smooth and, and seemingly effortless it is to uh, to cover that much ground that fast. It's pretty remarkable. That's the one thing everybody always says about Wynn is he looks like he's not even working out there. He's not even tired. But that's what a good runner does. He just moves smoothly across the track. He, he, and just to have that form at his age, and he's going to get keep getting get better and better. He's going to be a special athlete uh, when he really gets his hands on the college coach. Not that his high school coaching wasn't good. He had a legendary coach, Larry Lawrence, looking over him. But just when these guys make the transfer from high school to college, it's very interesting to have follow what they do, and I think Wynn's going to have a spectacular college career ahead of him. Yeah, so hard to, uh, as you said, sort of talk about, unfortunately, the, the track and field championship season without uh, referencing the weather. Obviously, uh, the uh, our, our friend Nemo wreaked havoc with the uh, the championship schedule, um, you know, postponing the, the class championship several times and then ultimately having to uh, – to do the open championship just a few days after. Uh, did you get any sort of sense or in your opinion, did you feel like that ultimately impacted the, the, the championship meets that significantly, or do you think the kids are sort of were able to adapt to everything and, and deal with the, you know, the, the change in schedule as best they could. Look at, you know, Joel, it's, it's tough, you know, it's tough when you have to run meets so close together. Uh, and you would think class M, maybe they have an advantage, but then you look at the other way, uh, maybe they don't have an advantage because they had such distance in between events. Sometimes you want to get on a roll and it, and it works. Uh, so when it comes down to it, I don't think it was enough of an advantage for any team specifically. I think everybody had to deal with it. They had to deal with the changing schedule. Uh, mentally, it's tough on everybody. Everybody had their meets pushed back, and it was, their schedule got changed up. So there was nothing strong enough 
for me to really point to and say, hey, that was a big deciding factor. I definitely think it, it helped a little bit uh, for Bloomfield that they had Thursday and they weren't competing. Uh, they had a little bit of rest and they weren't competing on Saturday because, as you I, I, you know, you know, most of the information out there says you, you hit your, your 48-hour rest period after you get really – that's when it hits you the most, and then you have to compete the next day. So that was pretty tough, I would imagine, for Class Double L. Um, but I think the, the major thing that it affected is some of the times were pretty, uh, not disappointing, but a little slower than maybe what we would have expected if it, if the schedule had one run like it was supposed to back before the snowstorm hit. You know, I think some of these times would have been a lot better. Um, you know, we talk about Sarah uh, from Northwest Catholic. Uh, she, she just was coming off a sweep. She ran the 1,000, the 1,600 meters, and the 3,200 meters Thursday. Now, that's that's not too far off from the state open that runs on a Tuesday. So I, I think in, in that case, she had to be feeling a little tired. She joked after with me that she was getting a massage. She was going to finally take off a day and then get back and start focusing on New England and, uh, and the Nationals. But uh, clearly for Sarah, who's run five races in six days, she definitely needs the rest. And a lot of these kids do. So hopefully the next couple of days their coaches allow that if they're going to Nationals, if they're going to New England, to allow some rest in their schedule. It's not going to hurt them. They've built up enough space. Because um, these kids definitely, they, some of the performances looked a little tired. They were great performances, but and they were working exhausted. But you would tell that uh, we we gotten to the point now where the, you need to step back and get a little bit of rest, put the feet up for one day at least. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we, you, you've discussed this a little bit as well, and I imagine you hear some of the same names, but uh, the New England Championships will be March 2nd in, uh, in Boston, uh, assuming they've been able to uh, shovel out from underneath the snow. Um, the top six competitors uh, in, who finish in each event at the State Open are eligible to compete at the New England meet. Who are some of the, the folks that uh, our fans should look for to, uh, from Connecticut to maybe make an impact at that meet? I assume some of the people you've already uh, hit on, but who are a few that maybe you're really looking for for some big performances at the New England meet? Um, yeah, and I, I don't want to sound like a broken record. Henry Wynn's a guy right now who's nationally ranked in the mile. He's a guy that we have to keep continue to keep an eye on. He's going to have a good meet. Sarah will have a good meet. But looking kind of at some guys that we haven't, you know, really focused in on, um, and, and one guy that deserves a lot of credit is from Bloomfield, Isaiah, Isaiah, Isaiah Brooks. Sorry there. Uh, he, he's going to the University of Maine to play football, but he's had one heck of a season when it, in regards to the shot put. Uh, he, he really kind of dominated the event at its class uh, S level and then at the state open level. And you know what? He's continued to surprise everybody. He's working really hard to get to this point. And I wouldn't be surprised that now if he does something at a New England level, throws, you know, another uh, personal best out there. Uh, he's just a guy that's continued to surprise and his work ethics really pushed him. And he's a guy that a lot of people love cheering for, love rooting for because he just put in the work. Uh, and, and he's really worked for this moment. He didn't even think he'd, you know, be a, able to go to football, play college football, and he didn't think, for that matter, that he would ever be a state champion in the shot the, uh, book, but he's gotten to that point. So it'll be interesting to see how he handles the New England championships, which bring a different level of nervous energy. But uh, if anything, we've seen that he can handle it with the class meet and the state open meet. Um, and, and, you know, you want to keep an eye on some of um our hurdlers, you know, uh, McEwen from Bloomfield, Isaiah McEwen and Gallo Rodriguez, these are two guys that have battled back and forth all season, uh, really motivated each other after McEwen won 
the state open championship in the 55 meter hurdles yesterday. Credit Gallo from Northwest Catholic saying he really spurred him on, really motivated him. Uh, they're going to be hard pressed to, you know, put up the same time as some of the competitors from around New England, but, you know, both guys are, like I said, with Brooks, very hard workers, and I wouldn't doubt uh, a strong performance from either of them. Um, you know, looking over the results from yesterday, uh, we talked about Emily uh, Savage of Weston. She's just uh, a real special athlete in her event. She She's going to – she would actually be contending, not just contending, but she would win New England if they had pole vault at New England. They don't. So she will have to wait until the end of the outdoor season to do pole vault in uh, the national championships there. The same thing goes for Windsor, uh, Windsor's 4 by 2 team. They would probably contend for a uh, New England championship. They, they were, I think they had won the third fastest time this season in the 4 by 200 meter relay. But they're not going to be there. They actually ran out of their exchange zone in Class L. And uh, one of the big surprises, big omissions from the state open that they weren't running, weren't competing, and they won't be ending up, they'll be running in nationals. Um, so that's kind of a couple storylines. you got the guys coming in, and then surprisingly some of these ones that unfortunately are really special, unique teams or athletes and just not getting there. Um, and I'm trying to think of a, a couple other guys right off the top of my head. Minzinski, she's going to be seated. We talked about her, her surprise performance. Um Chrissy Benzinski from Rams. She's going to be seated three in New England, and she's got a good shot, you know, of contending and maybe surprising and winning uh, again, like she did at the State Open. She's really rolling in with a lot of momentum here, and she, you got to remember, she's not as exhausted as some of these other athletes because of the schedule she's had to work, and she's really hitting her speed workouts now, and she's got a great coach, um, a former Manchester coach, and, and now he's working with Ram, Mike Benzinski, her father who really knows how to have his athletes speak at the right time, and he's going to have her uh, firing in all cylinders and well-rested, I think, headed into that uh, New England championship. Great. Well, Matthew Conyers providing all sorts of information for us on the indoor track and field uh, state open and upcoming New Englands. We appreciate it. And obviously uh, the outdoor season, once the uh, effects of Nemo melt away, we'll be have that going and uh, lots of other uh, spring sports to, to focus on. So I'm sure we'll have you back here on the CIAC cast at some point. But thanks very much for, uh, for joining us this afternoon. Appreciate it, Joe. And just as a send-off here, two quick athletes I might have forgot to mention that will go to New England. Tori Jones from Bloomfield in the high jump, Adrian Jones in the 55-meter hurdles, and, and Windsor's Brian Stapleton, a great 400-meter runner. He'll be going in the 300, too. So. Great. Thanks very much, Matthew. Appreciate it. Thanks, Joe. We thank Matthew Conyers for that great insight he provided on the indoor track and field championship. Certainly knowledgeable about everything going on around the state and giving fans a lot to think about and a lot to uh, to remember as the uh, Open Championships were held on Tuesday and giving folks a lot to uh, look at as the um, runners and competitors head to the New England meet coming up in just a few weeks. We move along now to girls basketball mentioned coming up in just a few short days. The 22nd will be the release of the championship tournament brackets in girls basketball class s m l and double l all competing for those coveted ciac state championships and something we're going to try to do from time to time here on the ciac cast is to provide a little bit of a behind the scenes look at how some of these things 
like tournament selections and tournament bracketing and other things that happen here at the CIAC offices that maybe folks don't know much about, want to take a look at and give fans a little bit of a glimpse as to how exactly these processes work to give them a little bit of a feel for what goes on here in the CIAC offices. So in that vein, we reached out to Dave Maloney, who serves as the girls' basketball tournament director, to talk to him about what the committees do and how the brackets come together. Okay, I'm here with Dave Maloney, who serves as the Connecticut Association of Student, uh, the director of the Connecticut Association of Student Activities, but in this context is also the tournament director for the CIAC girls basketball tournament and wanted to talk to him to provide you all with a little bit of insight into how the sort of tournament selection process works and the tournament uh, committees operate uh, within the CIAC. So Dave, we've got, uh, we're recording this on a Wednesday, the, the tournament committee will meet on Friday and release the brackets. What work uh, is done sort of in these days leading up to that meeting on Friday to make sure that everything is, is ready to go? Uh, on Friday when we release the brackets. We're currently reviewing the tournament entry forms and we're certifying the final regular season records of all the participating schools. The added um, additional burden, if I could use that word correctly, is that this year that major snowstorm caused uh, a large gap in playing dates and so many of our member schools are scrambling, trying to complete their regular seasons. Um, this impacted the postseason regular tournaments as well. So it's a unique year for us this year. Um, currently, we have 98 to 99% of all the games in, and we're just awaiting probably less than a half dozen games uh, to complete the regular season standings. Let me back up just a second here. The first question that I think I intended to ask, but uh, was just talk a little bit about the the composition of the committee. You know, people might hear about the CIAC tournament committees, uh, but who exactly makes up that committee and ultimately, you know, is responsible for for putting the brackets together? CIAC revol uh, relies very heavily on volunteers, and the girls' basketball committee is no exception to that. Like all the other CIAC sport committees, we are composed of volunteer school administrators, athletic directors, coaches, uh, consultants that represent officials, and other consultants that just have a long-standing membership with the committee, and they just simply like to um, serve girls basketball. And so it's a wonderful group of volunteers, in this case, um, many long-standing members of the committee. For example, yours truly has been involved ever since uh, about 1980, 1981. First as a committee member, then as a coach, then as the tournament director and administrator. So that's basically the engine that drives all of our tournaments here at CIAC. And so we talked a little bit about what you were doing in the uh, the last couple days. As we said, this is uh, recording this on a Wednesday, the 20th. The tournament brackets will come out uh, no later than noon on Friday. So what will happen uh, when everybody gets here Friday morning? You said you're the days leading in, you're kind of verifying results. You're going over entry forms. What is the process like once you get here on Friday and really get into the, uh, the brackets? The, the most important thing Friday is to make sure that we have accurate uh, tournament seedings and accurate records. Uh, fortunately, our information um, director and technology, Matt Fisher, has been working very closely with yours truly. And so step number one is going to be to look at our four divisions, 
small, medium, large, and double L divisions and assess um, each one of those uh, records that has come through. As all of our listeners know, schools have to have a, one, a winning record of 40%. So in your typical 20-game schedule, you've got to win at least eight games. And so we'll be cross-referencing that. Um, we do it an old-fashioned way. Uh, we rely heavily on technology, but not solely on that. And we divide our committee members up um, in pairs. And they actually uh, snail copy, paper, paper, look at all the seatings and records, and then we cross-check that to be sure that we've got it accurate. Once we've got that accurate, there'll be a motion from the floor to accept each one of those divisions, and that certifies that the pairings are 100% accurate. Matt Fisher then goes and releases that on our website, and so that's step number one. Accurate pairings is really essential to get this thing going. All right, so that's what uh, the fans will have to look forward to. As you mentioned, we do have you know the unofficial rankings, but as they uh, as they say it on the website and on the uh, the CICSports.com, those are just the unofficial ones. So you folks uh, getting ready for the tournament bracket on Friday will be have some information, maybe not everything leading in, but then up to the release of the brackets on Friday afternoon. So hopefully you'll uh, check that out. And Dave, thanks very much, and thanks for your uh, all your efforts with the committee. You're welcome. We're looking forward to a great tournament this year. So we've hit on girls basketball. Now moving along quickly to the world of wrestling, where the state open championships will begin on Friday and then carry into Saturday. A competition beginning at 4.30 p.m. on Friday at the Floyd Little Athletic Center in New Haven. So we wanted to reach out to one of the top wrestling writers in the state, and we got in touch with Jerry DeSimus of Connecticut Wrestling Online. Okay, so I'm joined now by Jerry DeSimus, who uh, you've seen his work uh, at the excellent website Connecticut Wrestling Online, as well as covering wrestling for about 10 years for the uh, Waterbury Republican American. And Jerry, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Happy to be here, Joel. Nice to talk with you. All right, so we're just going to uh, dive right in here. We've got the State Wrestling Open taking place uh, beginning on Friday afternoon at the Floyd Little Athletic Center in New Haven, going to start on Friday and then continuing into Saturday. But before we get into that, I just wanted to to quickly kind of ask, we had the class championships uh, this past weekend, obviously, with champions crowned in several uh, classifications. Just wanted to get your impressions. Anything that stood out to you, uh, from those results this past weekend, either surprises or outstanding performances or anything that really jumped out at you from the uh, class championships this past weekend? Well, four interesting tournaments, and there was some uh, good wrestling at all of them. Uh, you know, in, in class double L, you have Danbury returning to the top. Uh, you know, they had had a few years there where they had some injuries and they had uh, uh, not won. Xavier had won two years in a row, so Danbury sort of reclaimed their uh, – uh, rain up there. They had won for uh, many, many years in a row. In Class L, you had a tremendous tournament between uh, uh, Farmington and uh, Fairfield Ward and New Milford and Newington battling out, and New Milford came away with a great win. Um, just a great tournament where you saw that every person on the team really had to make an effort for New Milford to win. It wasn't just a matter of guys winning in the championship round. It was those kids winning third-place medals, fifth-place medals. Every point mattered, you know, considering that New Milford, you know, won by uh, three-and-a-half points, 
and then uh, Farmington was only uh, three points behind Fairfield Ward. Uh, in Class M, Ledger was pretty dominant, and one of the reasons they were so dominant is that uh, one of their traditional foils, Wyndham High School, their school's grown a little smaller, and Wyndham dropped down into Class S, and uh, in Class S, Wyndham had one of the uh, more dominant performances ever in that tournament. They won by over 100 points. They had uh, eight kids that qualified for the state open, and they put seven kids in the finals. So uh, it was a pretty dominant performance by a, a Wyndham high school team uh, in class S. So there was some interesting uh, wrestling and performances in all four tournaments. Yeah, certainly uh, an exciting weekend across the state. So now, looking ahead, I know you've uh, you've studied the brackets a little bit. Um, and for those of you who uh, who haven't seen the the seedings for the Open Championships, uh, were posted online a little bit earlier this week. You can check those out at uh, CICSports.com. Look for the Tournament Central link on the right side of your page, and you'll be able to find information, uh, results from this past weekend, as well as uh, the the seedings and everything coming up for this weekend. So you've taken a look at them. What do you see uh, heading into this weekend? And in terms of, let's focus kind of on the team championship first. How do you, how would you sort of handicap uh, how things are looking heading into the team championship specifically for the open meet? Okay. The open is, is a unique tournament. You know, it's a uh, class levels. It's uh, the teams and the individuals really matter. Like I was just talking about in the class L tournament, you know, it's the kids coming through third in the consolation rounds that really help. Um, here in the open, you know, you don't have as many kids participating per team, so sometimes you can have two or three kids that get to the finals or uh, just run through the bracket. We'll call them the big studs, and you can have two or three studs that carry you to a, uh, a championship win. That said, so I think uh, some of the te- your teams that will be contending here at the Open are some of your traditional uh, powerhouses, you know, Danbury High School, um, you know, they have eight, they have only eight kids in the finals, and I shouldn't only say eight, because the kids that are wrestling at Danbury have some pretty good experience. They wrestle uh, around New England. Uh, they challenge themselves going to a Timberline, uh, New Hampshire. They go to some tournaments in New York. They go to some tournaments in Maine, and they really challenge themselves. So they usually are pretty battle-tested and uh, do well here. Um, Ledger has 11 kids in the tournament, always excellent uh, wrestlers from Ledger High School. And then uh, New Milford has nine. And uh, New Milford has been taking a page out of Danbury's playbook in past years. They've developed a, tr- uh, a tremendous youth program in that town over the last decade or so. They've been challenging themselves as best they can uh, in regional tournaments. So uh, there's some excellent wrestling coming out of there. I think the uh, it will be an interesting tournament on the team-wise, though, but I would look for Danbury, uh, Ledger, New Milford to be near the top. But there's only some surprises, so it uh, ought to be an interesting uh, thing to watch. Yeah, and it's certainly, as you said, you know, the kind of the, the fun of the tournament is, you know, you have do have your big studs, but then you do have to keep your eye on the uh, those consolation matches, you know, and rounds as they progress because they can uh, greatly in, end up impacting the uh, – the, the team, you know, championships towards the end, as you pointed out, happened uh, in Class L this past weekend. So we talked a little bit about the team. What are some, um, you know, maybe some of the weight classes or, in, you know, sort of individual uh, tournaments within the tournament that you're particularly uh, going to keep an eye on or particularly curious about where you think we may really have some marquee kind of matchups if things progress maybe the way you're expecting? 
Well, the uh, the fun thing about the state open is uh, there's generally no uh, bad weight classes. The the uh, you have some tremendous wrestlers from all four classes there, and uh, sometimes out of the L and uh, the double L tournaments, uh, you have some kids that are that finish third or fourth who will make a run, which is uh, always an interesting thing to watch here at the open. As I was going through, though, you have um, you have five former champions in the field this year. Uh, Kevin Jack of Danbury at 120, uh, New Britain's uh, Giovanni Medina 132, uh, at 152 Sam O'Dell from South Windsor, and uh, 140 Chris Corzeppa from Newington won last year. They're back again, also uh, defending a former champion, Lucas Muntz of uh, Connor, won two years ago. He's back in the field. So you have five guys that have won this before, and you also have uh, several kids that have finished second in the Open, uh, second in the England a few times as well. So it looks interesting. One of the uh, great classes I checked out here is I was checking out the seeds, though. You know, at 170 pounds, Chris Korzepa from Newington uh, won that championship last year. And uh, the man he beat, Joey uh, Murphy of Avon, is returning. And the man that finished third in that weight class a year ago, Elliot Antler uh, Xavier, also returning. And uh, that ought to be an interesting class. Chris uh, finished first in New England last year, and Elliot finished third in New England last year. So uh, that ought to be a pretty good one. And what was the other one here? In the, in the 152 pounds, Sam O'Dell from South Windsor is the top seed. He won uh, the Open at 145 last year. And uh, I think the number two seed in that class is Lucas Muntz, who finished uh, second to Sam last year and then the year previously won the Open and uh, New England Championship. In terms of other things that might be interesting, though, I think uh, to look out for at the Open at 120 uh, pounds, uh, Danbury's Kevin Jack is the top seed. He was second in New England last year. And then uh, the second seed, I think, in that weight class is Brian Amato from Newington, who uh, finished second in a different weight class last year at the Open. So those are two top wrestlers at 120. And then um, at 195 pounds, Kyle Foster of Summers has had a, a very good year. He finished second in New England last year, and he's looking to uh, break through and win his first Open championship. You know, to the fans out there, you know, there's some great wrestling at the Open, but one of my favorite parts of the Open is actually the semifinal round. I think that begins about 1 o'clock on Saturday. And one of the reasons I like that round is there's a sense of desperation uh, from some of the wrestlers because, you know, that Open Championship is right there. You know, the birth to the finals is almost right there, and they have to make that next step. So there's some great wrestling in that semifinal round that sometimes you don't see in the finals because they've made the finals. So, I, you know, the semifinal round, if you can get there, is just some great wrestling and uh, a very enjoyable thing to watch. Yeah, and it's certainly, uh, as, a, as a spectator tournament, you know, I'm not sure you can do much better than uh, showing up on, uh, you know, Saturday morning and, and basically getting a, a full day's uh, worth of entertainment. You know, we're going to have several mats uh, set up all around in different weight classes, and it's just sort of a, a feast for the, the wrestling fans uh, around the state. And for those 
who aren't able to make it, we are actually be uh, there will be a live uh, streaming. Um, if you go to uh, again that tournament central page, there will be links available uh, to watch the competition live online. So that'll also be an exciting uh, thing we're offering this year. So a lot to look forward to. Uh, it should be an excellent championship weekend, and we appreciate uh, Jerry DeSimus coming on to uh, talk to us about it. Thanks very much, Jerry, and uh, we'll look for all of your coverage on uh, Connecticut Wrestling Online as well as the uh, Waterbury Republican American. We appreciate it. Happy to have you, Joel. We thank Jerry DeSimus for that wonderful wrestling coverage and all of his insight as we get ready for that Open Championship, which again will be on begin on Friday afternoon and then pick up again on Saturday, a busy weekend of CIAC action. And uh, that's going to do it for our first edition of the CIAC cast. We hope you enjoyed it. We'd like to thank Jerry DeSimus. We'd like to thank Dave Maloney and thank Matthew Conyers all for providing their insight as we stream along here into the heart of the winter championship season. We hope you enjoyed it. We thank you for uh, sticking with us and hope you uh, aren't too bothered by any of the technical glitches we're having here in the early going as we kind of figure our way through this process and hopefully smooth out some of the rough edges as we go. But we hope you uh, enjoyed the first edition, first of what we hope will be many editions of the CIAC cast. Remember, you can keep up to date with all of the CIAC action at CIACsports.com. Be sure to bookmark that Tournament Central page. That's where you're going to get a lot of your tournament information, including links to results and schedules and brackets and links to live online coverage of events, as well as be sure to follow us on Twitter at CIACsports.com. And you can check us out on Facebook as well at Facebook.com slash CIACsports. So I'm Joel Cookson saying thanks very much for joining us. We hope to see you again here on the CIAC cast. <laughs>